Welcome to Agile Adventures, where we explore concepts, tips, and tricks that help your teams achieve their goals and dreams. Hello, welcome to Agile Adventures with Brian Levy and Jacob Schwartz. How's it going, Brian Levy? It is a wonderful day. The air quality is good. It's about 70 degrees outside. Perfect weather. Not a cloud in the sky. It's a great day. Good times. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in New York, so, you know, how good can it be? <laughs> could be worse. You could be in New could Jersey. Be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, like... <laughs> I mean, Just kidding, New Jersey I, listeners. <laughs> New York kind of is New Jersey I mean, when you look at it. Like, we I are mean, not in Albany, you know. I, I, you know, in the in the Rockland County, like New York City area. So, like, you know, it is New Jersey. You know, it's, it's all. I mean, you know, I guess I haven't. You know, whatever. I'll 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 stop now and not alienate all of my uh, all of our listeners. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I used to live in New York, so I, I feel like I'm an, enough of a New Yorker to say that 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 how good can it be? I'm in New York, anyways. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but you're gonna dive in because it's a, a topic that's been uh, brought up a lot, and at least in, in my uh, arena here, has been the best release process to have. You know. And people are actually, you know, people started with love the get flow method and some other things. And uh, I don't know, let me throw it to you and say, uh, well, you already said you don't like get flow. No. So, yes, I agree. I, li I like, <laughs> okay, so what do you vote? What are you voting for? CI, CD? Well, so let, let me, let me give you my principles first, right? My principles okay. is that. Um, again, I'm a big believer in agile and what is it? The 10th principle that talks about simplicity, maximizing the, the amount of work not done. And I think that people do too much work with their release process. The, the, if I really want CX, if you really want CI, CD to really work, what makes it work is actually having enough automated tests, right? So then I know I have a clean state. So I'm like, don't invest the time and money into a fancy release process. I'm like, keep it simple as possible. Do just basic trunk development, right? So, you know, I got, I got my main trunk and I branch off um, to, to create a feature and it can only come back in once all the tests pass. And then spend all of your time and effort making sure that you actually know what tests need to pass to have assurance that everything works. So, I mean, I, I, I like what you're saying. I'm not gonna, but um, I feel like, I feel like you have this Achilles heel where you, you tend to assume confidence. <laughs> like I feel like like 
between we've known each other long enough that I can say it. Like, this is your main weakness in life is that you you say, listen, I can't deal with people who are incompetent. Like, if the, if people are incompetent, just fire them and get competent people. And 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 you're right, except that like that's just not reality. Like, that'll never happen. I think you have to. You have to go out and find them. Okay, yeah, but like until then, you're you can't like hold the development process hostage by finding the uh, the these people. All right, so all right, so let me explain a little bit more why I say this. Right, if you don't do Trump-based development, keep it simple. What people end up doing, but it's, I see a lot, and I'm always no, 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 no. I, I like everything you said. I like everything you said. <laughs> Uh, I'm just meaning, except except for the part. Let me just let's just get specific, because except for the part where it's like, oh yeah, and if your test passed, you know, you got a clean slate and it's good, and you'll you'll be fine. Like that'll never happen. Like you know, not for real. Like meaning, like yeah, if I you know, like listen, I make, you know, I, I have you know my own pet projects, and I can do that because I know I'm the only one working on features and making tests. But like, if you have people. Somebody's going to be incompetent, an incompetent buffoon, and make a test that's meaningless and useless, and it's going to be, and then it's going to mess up your whole, uh, your whole app, man. So here's where you know I had this rule for agile, um, that there has to be at least two people collaborating, at the very least, one person developing the code one person developing the automated test. And hopefully, if you have a different person actually developing the test, you can have a objective perspective and people actually develop tests that actually do something. Not I also recommend a third person to review the test and make sure it actually does do something. Oh, so, man. You're gonna have a hard time selling this one to me because we now are now are we now have meaning like you know this thing about dependency inversion. We now have yes. a dependency of four competent people. <laughs> well, here's here's what I did. My suggestion is always people people spend so much time and effort on code reviews. But I'm like, most of the stuff that they review, there's like programs that look at syntax, they'll look at all this other stuff, right? I'm like, yeah. use those programs in your IDE to do that kind of stuff. And forget about code reviews, which you really should be concentrating on, is test reviews to make sure your automated tests actually do test stuff. So then it's just a replacement. Cool. I mean, listen, like, again, like, I like, I, I, I like the idea. I do. Um, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move on and get over the, 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 the dependency issue of, of the fact that, like, yes, you're already have. So you're gonna have competent people. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's. I'll see if I can do it. You know, I, as you know, it's, sometimes it's hard for me to move on, but I'll move on. <laughs> okay. 
So, Would you like the idea of the of the trunk-based development? Yes. And I like the idea of of yeah, of separating the person doing the te- doing the code from the person writing the tests. In and at least the the automated tests for your pipeline. Right. Yeah. Like obviously the person writing the code is writing unit tests and stuff, but that's right. His deal. That's 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 for the developers. That's not for the pipeline. Correct. Yeah. Now here's now I, I do go against the conventional wisdom. Because the okay. conventional wisdom is hey, we want to make our test really fast, <laughs> make sure everything uh you know, you get fast feedback. So the conventional wisdom in Agile is make you know, the whole pyramid, where at the bottom of the pyramid, where it's really wide, you have more unit tests. And then as you go up toward you know, different levels of tests from unit integration to you know, application to system to acceptance tests, you have fewer and fewer. And, and that's a unit test doing most of the work. Um, I think that's hogwash. I think that you really want to take a risk-based approach to everything. And if I'm taking a risk-based approach, the only way I really know that the user scenarios work is if you have more acceptance tests. Okay, for first-time listeners, what is an what is a risk-based approach? So, a risk-based approach basically says that it goes back to that, that old joke. Um, I want to look for something wrong, where it's most likely to have something wrong. So, I should look at my system that I'm building, and I should rate it. You know, what are the riskiest parts of my architecture? Where I'm unlikely to have defects, you know, the the interfaces, you know, the the um, components where we had risk before, right? Where we had most defects, I should have a disproportionate amount of tests in those areas versus the areas where we're most likely not to have defects. And so you have someone who's actually looking at your your architecture looking at your defect history you know how often we change stuff and when i see higher <laughs> concentrations of risk i should have proportionately more tests in those areas so that's the risk-based approach to testing so yeah so and the risk-based approach so meaning so Likely, the most likely, the most risky area is not that you have some, although it could very easily happen, is not that you have some like uh, logic problem in your code. Right. It's, it's those what? are easily solved for unit tests, right? Yes. Which is why it doesn't make sense to have them at the bottom of the pyramid. That's <laughs> what you're saying. I mean, I'm just, par- I'm not, I'm, I'm just, Regurgitating what you're saying back to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm like, hey, no. I. I can have um, units that work properly, but the big errors, if you're coding properly, doing TDD, the big errors come when I integrate this stuff together. 
right? And those are usually the highest, the hardest things to solve. Yeah, you, know, you should have proportionally more, um, you know, good coverage from a scenario perspective, especially with some of these outliers. So, like, if if you're if you're like, um, let's say, a, um, building a web app, it, it's something what like more more Cypress tests or uh, or Selenium tests and less Jest tests and or Py Py tests or whatever. So I'll tell you what tends to happen. What tends to happen is people feel really good when they have all these unit tests and they're and they tend to come to the conclusion that if I have like the main scenario covered and a couple alternative flows covered, then that's all the testing I need, right? Because my unit tests will be good. And as long as those are good, it covers everything else. And my philosophy is like hogwash, right? If you look at your, no, I work with many companies and look at the, where the defects come from. And there is a disproportionate amount of defects that come out of scenarios that people haven't really thought out. Yeah, okay. And it's not the main scenario, right? So it's that, that's certainly the case. What do you what do you suppose what do you propose we do about it? So I'm proposing taking this risk-based approach that you look at, you know, since we know this and we had the data to actually track it, I'm like, hey, just lay out, you know, lay out, get a scenario functional view and then rate the scenarios on the scale of one to 10 of how risky you think it is for those scenarios to run properly. You know, what's the probability that you'll get a defect? And you lost me here. What does that mean? So um, this this will be good with the uh, a real system. Let's go back to our uh, our peanut butter and jelly system. We okay. talked about a few episodes ago, right? So we're making a system that that creates peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Okay. And so using regular peanut butter and the normal jelly, that's, that's easy. That scenario is the most common scenario and it's probably gonna pass. What I care the most about is the person that has that, that nut allergy. So if you put like sunflower seed, um, butter, or you know, some, some weird thing. And then with that, with that alternative, we had to clean the utensils off, making the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches so they wouldn't get contaminated, uh -huh. right? Well, there's more risk and there's more at stake if that doesn't work. Is that so? We should have like some. We should have like some person with anaphylaxis in our tests and see if they die. And well, you know, I, 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 I don't want to, you know. I don't want the people from PETA <laughs> chiming in and condemning our podcast. 
but there was there were no animals used in testing this scenario. <laughs> okay. But again, <laughs> but we we know inherently because so of all this. So use a baby. <laughs> well, Moses is not my baby, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you but, know. <laughs> but we know inherently um, by nature of just what we're describing the complexity, the risk of, of failure, the, the impact is much higher if we have somebody um, eating the peanut butter because it wasn't cleaned properly and the guy contaminated, right? And so based on that, I would have a higher score, risk score. So say it's a, you know, it's a nine out of 10 because of the complexity and the impact of it yeah. versus the basic scenario, regular peanut butter and jelly sandwich, where we didn't have the, the clean utensils. We didn't, now, no changeover. Maybe that's like a two out of 10 from a risk perspective. So I should have more focus on the one that's more risky. Okay, but you just told sense? me that most of the things don't, most of the things come from things you haven't thought about. Yeah, well, and for that, um, again, you have to, in order for you to test it, you had to think about, you know, what the scenario was in order to test it, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I've always advocated putting more effort into that brainstorming um, phase where you're trying to think about the different scenarios that could happen. Um, but again, from a, a pure testing perspective, you know, before I let that code get back into my main trunk, I can only test what I thought of. Yeah, gotta go with that rating. So I'm saying, but, but like you could, whole... you could have theoretically. Made, I'm saying, I don't, I just like this thing about the uh, about why integration tests versus unit tests. Like, this seems to be a separate point because, like, theoretically, I I knew that there's an issue of, you know, actually killing somebody with with peanut butter. So like, I I probably would have made a unit test for that, but. Um, Oh, yeah, the, uh, so, so your, your unit test would actually test that, you know, we hit the button um, and it does clean the items, right? But here's where the scenarios you know, come into play. Most often people will actually test you know, the scenario of using sunflower seed butter versus peanut butter. And I have a unit test for cleaning uh, the utensils before we actually, or the, or the spray can, whatever, before we actually apply the, uh, the uh, sunflower seed butter. But the where the scenarios come into play is what happens when someone orders, you know, one peanut butter sandwich and two um, sunflower seed nut butter sandwiches. But I got two in the yeah, two in the same order, right? Those type of scenarios. And again, 
the unit tests themselves aren't going to actually cover everything you need for that scenario. The integration test will, right? When I actually start with peanut butter, throw in nut butter in the middle, and then I switch back over to the, the peanut butter, right? It's those more complicated scenarios where you have lots of changeover that you need to test the most of. And the more you have those changes, the, the bigger the risk. What do you think? So, okay. So, I mean, I, so, uh, yeah, I'm still confused as to why this couldn't be a, like me, just because this is where we started from. Maybe I'm just barking up the wrong tree. I still give us a why this couldn't be a unit test. Like, like, uh, meaning it sounds like it's just the point here is just to think about more test scenarios. Oh, um, well, so let's discuss uh, what's your definition of a unit test? So that tests the functionality of a particular, I mean, unit or part of or or part of the code. Like, you know, you have a class called, you know, if you if you're talking Java, because that seems to be the language that the agile people speak. Uh, you have a class called uh, called uh, you know peanut butter cleaner or butter cleaner, and you make sure that it cleans the butter. Under and a very in a bunch of different cases. Yes. Um, so I'm gonna go and uh, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of solid, right? So let me talk about the uh, the principle of sing, single responsibility principle. Uh huh. Right. Where if I'm doing that correctly, my my and my classes have one responsibility, then my unit test will be testing a single responsibility, not yeah. even a whole function, perhaps, right? Yeah. And so that will be really small, right? I'm, okay, yeah. So meaning if you, okay, yeah. So if I'm testing that, but I can have a unit test that says, hey, we're going we're gonna to make sure that the equipment that actually makes the sandwich is cleaned out from the peanut butter. But what it doesn't do is actually test out, you know, when I when it's activated, when I when I have to actually order sunflower seed butter, that we have the right programming to, to tell it to switch over and to, oh, because to that's clean it. Well, yeah, but that's gonna be somewhere in some sort of controller, no? Like yes. So, and again, it, what happens, I mean, again, typically what I see happening is that the individual units, they may each work terrific together, right? Yeah. But once you actually try to integrate, integrate them together in a way that's complex, <laughs> that's where they, those unknown errors start creeping in. 
the story. Okay. Right? That's what I see about the numbers. Okay, so yeah, so, okay, people... so part of it, yeah, part of our misunderstanding is that yeah, like uh, in the in in the wild, I've never seen people implement solid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, actually, I'm glad you're saying this, which probably means that what they're calling unit tests is not unit tests, really yeah. unit tests, right? They're a lot of them are really functional tests. Yeah, yeah, no, they are, they are for sure, hundred um, percent. Yeah, the only, yeah, the only thing is like, uh, yeah, it's very hard to, uh, yeah. But, but are functional tests what you're talking about? Like, is that enough? I don't think so. Because again, I think you're talking you, about like integration tests. Integration tests. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I see what you're. So, so meaning, yeah. So, so the, like, the traditional you know, like pyramid. This is, this is I, like uh, I, yeah. Meaning like yeah. It's the whole reality versus. I'm not saying it's reality. I'm just saying right. like yeah. Unfortunately, my reality no, is that <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not everyone's. Is like every every single thing I I've. I see. I'm just dealing with like other people's insane code of like yes. just like the control flow is like um, arbitrary is not the word. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like you need to like I literally like whenever I see a new I mean whatever this is me explain you know some of my career choices but like i literally have to make like beautiful mind maps you know like i have to like you know go into a basement and like draw like let's like go out and like not go into a basement but like literally like, draw out like like decision charts that end up being uh -huh. like you know um, end up being like royal family trees except you know like <laughs> Whereas, like, oh, well, how would I get back here? <laughs> you know, and like all these like very, well, I guess royal family trees are not exactly, well, you know, like insane amounts of branches that like lead back to maybe two options. Right. You know, and uh, yeah. And that's, that's almost pretty much my point. It's because people don't do the fundamental, you know, inheritance and abstraction correctly um yeah but like your point can't just be that people suck as human beings and if they did things better but life would do. be better <laughs> yeah i mean like yeah <laughs> meaning like yeah I, I think your point was that like they need to spend more time actually making good tests that will actually do but i'm saying like but like, yeah, again, like your problems are like up here and like, yeah, people are like down here. <laughs> yeah, but but again, the, the traditional hierarchy pyramid and agile of having a whole bunch of unit tests and then less integration tests and even less acceptance tests. You say you're saying when you argue with that, I go, I understand what you're saying. You're saying when you're arguing, when, yeah. when you're different, when you're having a different, a difference of opinion between the agile people and saying, listen, I think we should do it this way instead of this way. 
we're talking about people who have actually done the proper stuff. And, and exactly. But and meaning, in the real world, meaning, not meaning doing both it. you, both you and the agile, other agile consultants are both living in your fantasy land where people actually code properly. Well, no, I, I, the reason I'm saying we need, we need to do more integration type tests is because I recognize that people aren't going to do it properly, right? They're going to do more functional tests. And, and you think, wait, they, you they, think in, a, in a, an ideal world that they, they would be right and you should do more unit tests? Not, no, I, I think that you have to do more integration tests. No, no, but that's only because you're, you're so now it's something you're saying you make a concession yeah. that, that, oh, okay. but, but, but that you're saying, listen, because people suck, that's why you need to do more integration tests. That's right. But, but, <laughs> but it sounds like, no, so, but I'm saying it sounds like you're saying that in an ideal world, you would agree with that. In an ideal world, if everyone did what they were supposed to do, yes, I would agree with the agilists and the regular parents. I'm not sure why you even say that. Meaning, like, there's two problems here. One is that people suck. Uh -huh. And one is that people just aren't good at integrations. People can be awesome, and the fact is they'd still be worse at integrations. Right? Am I wrong? Are you disagreeing with me here? A, a little bit. I, I, I think that I think that I I never found integrations to be that difficult. But I've always taken the approach, you know, and you and I talked about this with uh um documenting the API first and agreeing to that, you know, yeah. how you're gonna exchange data between components first, and then you build toward that. Uh, that specification, okay, right? So, I've always been a big Swagger fan, and yes, yes, you know, making sure that it, if you actually did that and were disciplined, I don't think that integration would be that hard. <laughs> no, but no one does it, right? It depends. It depends we worked together, you're the only one who did it. No, no, it depends on the stack. Really. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. depends on how well the architecture of your uh, of your of your program is. Meaning, that's not a a skill encoding. Like that's not a good design problem per se. That's like a you know where did you cut corners? What trade offs did you make? Like, if you're offloading a lot of integrations to let's say third party stuff, right? Right. Because you're starting off, right? Like you're using, let's say, I don't know, popular nowadays, like Firebase, right? As yeah. you're basically your entire backend. So you could have perfect unit tests and your app could be total garbage because, <laughs> uh, because of the, because the Firebase integrations are the most complicated part of your app. Yeah, it, like so. It is to me. It's not obvious that like just if, even if you did everything perfectly, I think you would still in a lot of cases like yeah. If you hope if you rolled your own for everything, then yeah. If you have all the pieces working well, and you have them well documented, and you have them all mapped out right, then yes, integration should be the least complicated part of your stack. Correct. But. Uh, 
but yeah, but I don't know that that's even, I don't know if that's an ideal world either. Because I don't know if it's worth okay. it to roll your own for everything. Like, meaning, unless you're going to tell me, listen, in the long run, it's better to just roll your own every, which you don't think, I mean, you know, I know you don't believe this, but unless you're going to tell me in the long run, it's better to just roll your own everything. So sometimes you're going to push up against use cases of your of the of the dependencies you're using that you're not are not yours. Yeah, and actually, I love that you stated it that way because I think that one of the underlying assumptions of that test hierarchy pyramid is that you're growing everything yourself, and that uses. Okay, the- yeah. So meaning so okay, so then you agree <laughs> with me. And I it's not a, I think it's, it's not an ideal. I don't think that's an ideal world that you do everything yourself. Like I think, like no, why should you reinvent I think that's the wheel insane. a thousand times? What? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's insane. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, okay. So then we're in agreement. So then I say no. So even in an ideal world, it's a bad idea to have more unit tests than integration tests. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. I good. I'm glad. I'm glad we got <laughs> over that little hump. <laughs> Again, and that's why that risk-based approach is so important, right? Of actually thinking through where the majority of your tests should be, right? And so then afterward, if you make sure that your tests are set up that way, yeah, if you're doing trunk-based development, it's like, hey, you got to play the numbers. So when I say play the numbers, make sure that before you merge it back, the risk is adequately minimized. I mean, it passed all those tests for the shit. And then what you want to do in your uh, regression suite is make sure, you know, again, I know you wanted to be fast, but you take that risk-based approach again and you say, you know what? I know I'm going to lose a certain amount of speed by having these tests run. So I'm going to selectively look at the history, you know, look at the risk ball. And my regression suite that runs frequently may have a subset of those tests running. But at some point, my longevity test, I'm going to have all these other ones running. <laughs> right? Uh, Maybe the so full you, suite. When you, when, you, when you merge to the, every time you merge to the master branch, you're not necessarily going to run all of the integration tests. Correct. You're only going to run the integration test connected to things that you, code that you touched, let's say. Right. And you'll have some other tests that just run in the background every, let's say, every week at between every Wednesday at between 9 and 10 p.m. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe it takes a whole weekend because I have so many integration tests. I'm like, so what? Right. Yeah, let, 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 it, let it run. That's right. Like, why not? Like, the, the, the big pushback I get um, from hooking all those automated tests to your release process is that, um, you know, people say that you, you can't actually test everything. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you can test every scenario. <laughs> and it may take longer than you want, but you can actually test. It, the whole purpose of a artificial intelligence is, is to help you do this stuff that's mechanical. You can program all this stuff in. <laughs> right? 
Okay, so, I mean, yeah, but like every every big project doesn't need artificial intelligence. Like, you know, but yeah. No, no. Again, taking a risk-based approach, you see what's, what's the most logical, right? And react accordingly. But again, we, don't, we shouldn't use these big maxims we've used in the past to prevent us from putting the effort for it. Well, I mean, if you use a compile it's language, it's very easy because you're just, you're only testing what compiles, right? <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> like it's, a, it's only when you're doing stupid things, like use Python. Uh, <laughs> okay, you, you just lost half our listeners again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Listen, I mean, I'm really, I'm really just doing this because that's what my, my current employment is in. <laughs> Yes, but uh, yeah, where it's like, oh yeah, you use Python, and then yeah, like who knows? It's just a runtime. Like, it's not. Right. It's just a. Who knows what you touch? What 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 you touched? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, but if you do it this way, yeah, I I love the idea of clean room, where, you know, you heavily bombard. Make sure the stuff you put in is good. You're like a Jordan Peterson and, uh, fan. Yes. Clean your room. Yes, I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> make sure make sure everything's good. So that way, if the uh, whatever you add it, if you find an error, the most likely it's because of what you just added. And it's easy to fix. You're making them small. And then okay. I'm like, hey, put everything under, you know, if you do trunk based development that way. Put everything under a feature flag, right? And that way, if you do find an error, turn it off. Yeah. So what what do you think about these? Uh, I mean, I think this comes from the Git flow approach, but these like terrible development things where it's like half your, you know, had so like uh, where I work now. I mean, this is like this is what already what is, what has been uh, called, it. like uh, I mean, I feel like I know what you're gonna say about it, it's, you know, but I feel like it's worth it's worth mentioning. Yeah, so like uh, where I work now, like they have like these two week sprints, mm -hmm. and uh, three days of each one of these sprints is dedicated to releases. Okay, to what? Releasing. That's awful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I, 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 I just thought I would, I would give you, you know, give you some, some, some fodder. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's. I think it's pretty terrible. Uh, you know. So three days yeah. out of ten, so thirty percent of the effort. It's just releasing. And you're releasing every week. Every other I week. I mean, every sprint. Right. Yeah. Like, again, anytime you have something repetitive, in fact, you probably, from a business perspective, you probably said, let me look at the business problem and look at what we did that was repetitive. And anything that took 30% of our time from a business perspective, that's what we're going to make the application do and automate it. And it's like, well, why wouldn't developers do that for their own stuff? <laughs> right. Okay. So, 
I recently <laughs> sent in a sent a message to like one of the guys who's like officially sp- trying to fix this problem. Uh-huh. I mean, like this is this is where I decided, like you know, it may be worse than I thought, and um, so I actually took uh, I actually took like uh, been, I've been keeping track since I came of the resolution of all my tickets. Right. So uh, I found out that a third of my tickets already changed, were already resolved before I got them. Wow. Now, as a new person, right? So how long, how efficient do you think I am at determining that a bug has been resolved? <laughs> you, you don't have a clue. It takes me an average of a day and a half to determine that a bug has been resolved. Wow. 33.75% of all of the tickets that I get have already been resolved. Wow. That's a lot of waste. A day and so, a half. So uh, I, I went to the guy who, you know, the guy who hired an agile consultant, like he's apparently trying to, he's, he's the one on board to fix this. Right. And I just pointed out to him, I showed him like, you know, I, I'm not like, I didn't pull 33.75 out of my, out of my, out of my tuchus. <laughs> I have a spreadsheet. I have every ticket I've done. I've had what the resolution of all of it is. And it, it, goes into a it becomes a pie chart where you see like so I share I, I basically showed him the data and what do you think his like first reaction is hopefully it was like mine he couldn't believe it <laughs> a total shock wow this is great data to have we should have everybody submit this sort of data everyone do more work don't fix the problem <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, well, so like, it doesn't bother you that I'm wasting over a third of my of my time here. <laughs> it bothers you. It, it, it just, you're just happy that I'm giving you a, a nice pie chart. <laughs> <laughs> like, y- you are the problem. Yes, absolutely. And again, it's. it's yeah, I hate to, to go back to some of our previous episodes, but that's why I had this whole concept of laying out the features from when a customer sees it, so you can see all this data in one system. And you want to you want to update the statuses of each one of these things. Managing that process is tied into the whole release process, so you know what's actually good and what's not good. Otherwise, you're releasing the wrong stuff having people work on the wrong stuff, right? And again, the reason I'm so big on Trump-based development is managing that status process is complicated. So you don't need anything else to be complicated too. <laughs> you, want the, you want things to be simple so it's easy to manage. Yeah. Making things simple is, is not simple though. I mean, like, you know, making making people, you know, like it's like um, 
it's like certain people like you know like uh you know yoga instructors and whatnot you know like they've spent so much time practicing different creative ways to shove their head up their ass that <laughs> it's hard to unlearn that you know <laughs> like, i mean like you know the yoga instructors i mean like PMs and you know people who like and management and oh like well we see that yeah we're having slow like meaning like like meaning like listen like it's 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 2022 right right um python 3 came out in 2008 Mm -hmm. if you're still using Python 2 and you have like excuses for it like it means that it means that you're, you're so far gone that there's nothing like I, I can't help you like if you're like you know like there's only so much I can do like I can only help some people so much right if, if not it's like it's time for me to look elsewhere <laughs> But yeah. So now you're agreeing with me. <laughs> I agree, yeah. You get rid, of, saying, these, like, you no, get rid meaning, of the cancer. <laughs> no, meaning, meaning, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying the reason why why I I, I the reason why, yeah, no, I'm saying the reason why I'm, I'm I'm like I'm trying to figure this out myself. Like like how idealistic should you be? Like, could you just be like, oh, okay. Like uh, I mean like like uh, yeah, you should just fire people who suck and just do things right or is there like okay like listen like that's good you know go, good good like being employed on mars you know <laughs> <laughs> but again it's one of those things where like what agile is about is continuous improvement yes. and in order for it to work and really you get the real value out of it you gotta have people that one can identify problems and two are open to changing their practices to get rid of the problem once it's identified and if you, if you got people that are like really good at a certain area but they don't have those two qualities they're going to create a culture where problems don't get taken care of and you won't get better right uh, most times when I get brought into companies, they're doing some form of agile um, and it's not correct because the people aren't willing to actually fix real problems. They're just following their process that they've done before. And so you, you never get any increase in productivity. Right? You can't live like that. Yeah, becomes so, a cultural problem. You know, if, if you get a whole bunch of people that when there's trash on the floor, they just step over it and don't pick it up, you're gonna have a dirty house. <laughs> yes, because trash is gonna fall, <laughs> right? 100%. Yeah, uh -huh. again, it, it, it turns into a cultural problem and. Yeah, I still think that the whole release process is 
um, one in which those problems are highlighted. Yes. Stuff is gonna happen. You know, I'm a big one for, um, I like the whole release train approach. What's, you know, what's that? The release train approach is, I have a schedule of when I'm gonna do releases of new functionality. And anything that's ready, that has the right status, it passed all the tests, it can get released on the schedule. But if it's not ready, then it ain't going out. So I'm a big one for decoupling releases from whatever you plan for development. So I got, I got a team over here doing development and they're just cranking out new functionality. And again, it's not done and ready until it passes all the tests. And I got over here, I got a release process that says, if it's ready by this date, if it has this status, there's proof that it passed all the necessary tests and they can go out. Yeah. Well, what do you, and what do you think about like uh, intervals of release? I, I'm a big one. So I'm biased. As a consultant, I only survive because I had to show value on a frequent basis. If I'm not showing value on a weekly basis, then I get cut. And I'm, my expectation is that you need to show value frequently. I mean, it depends on the organization. I mean, certain organizations we know about, like you could pretty much do nothing and you wouldn't get cut because no one's paying any attention. But, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I'm like, whatever as frequently as possible that your customers can tolerate. And the reason I, I phrase it that way, and I didn't give you a number number because, you know, I worked for, uh, I started my career with AT and T, and when we when you made a new switch and you put it into the network, the risks involved were so high that you had to qualify that switch to work. Yeah. Which means yeah. you had to test everything and it would take like a month to test everything. One second, one second. But you just told me that you're, you don't you believe in decoupling that. What's that? You just told me you believe in decoupling that. Development from release. Yeah, so I'm saying so. Oh, you're saying the testing is part of release? Yes, it's a huge part of it, right? Okay, All yeah, right. yeah, no, okay, fine. You so meaning, I mean, like you know, one could claim that that's what I thought you meant is like, listen, like we in order to get pushed into the master branch, you need to pass all these tests. Gotta pass all the tests, right? Master, master branch on an ongoing basis. Correct. So meaning and, like, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a belief in like, whatever it's done, it's done. Like push it out immediately. Like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> well, so, so here's, and here's where the meat of our conversation comes to a big head, right? Traditionally, development 
has included tests that look at just the new part. And it and reality is that they haven't in development in most organizations, they don't do extensive release uh, regression testing to make sure everything is okay. Yeah. Usually that's the regression piece is really part of the release process. Uh. Right? And so okay. you have different areas of focus, a narrow focus for development, and then the global focus on the release process. Now, testing is involved with both, but the focus areas are different. Okay. And I think that your release process has to, I think what's wrong with most release processes is that they don't take into account that underlying assumption about where the focus is when they're actually trying to calculate the readiness of the software for release. Yeah. I think we need to think about that you know, at a deeper level and react accordingly. So apply that to the AT&T switching thing. So, um, when we, when we, if you buy a switch from uh, Siemens, you know, or or Cisco, they've done they've done the unit type testing. They've done the the feature type testing for their piece of equipment. What uh -huh. they haven't done is they haven't looked at how does this switch react with all these other device types. Oh, the, their effect on everything they're dependency of. That's right. But because if, if I'm if I'm making this switch, there's a a billion other devices out there. Yeah, you don't know what sort, of, time. what sort of what sort of evil abuse exactly your people who are using your system are doing. I don't know what configuration you have, right? I'm not testing for all that, right? So because it's not happening from a development standpoint, then I need to account for all those other variables for my environment with the release process. So what, again, it's, this is the, the meat of what I'm, I'm getting at here is that when most people look at the release process, they're just looking at pushing stuff out, how the release happens. But I think the most important part of the release process is the scope of your testing. I need to know what was tested from a development standpoint and where it stopped because based on the risk to all the components, all the configurations, the big system at, all, at whole, I need to make up for that gap in my release testing. And I hardly ever see people starting when they look at their release process. I hardly ever see them starting with where do things end in the testing process for development, right? You got to start there. Uh -huh. Okay. And in any other field, you do you would do that automatically, right? If someone goes to the emergency room and I find out 
that, you know, you have an underlying condition and it was diagnosed by another doctor, I would actually start with, well, what does this other doctor do? Let me look at those records, right? And then I know, all right, so this, I don't, this other I don't doctor. This, I don't think maybe, maybe in America. I don't know if this happens automatically. <laughs> no, like in America, it doesn't. I mean, what am I talking about? I've been in America long enough. No, it doesn't happen automatically. You're wrong. <laughs> my, my wife was, was diagnosed with something when she was like a teenager. Mm-hmm. based on a and she was given a medicine that was like oh we don't know if this is the case but like just in case like let's let's cover our base and give it to her and uh she took this medicine uh for like uh, a good 15 years and no doctor questioned it until finally she got like one good primary care physician who like actually like did some digging and was like, yeah, why are you taking this for like the past 15 years? Well, I, so I think that's proof of what I'm saying, even though it was done. Improperly. No, 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 I'm saying, yeah, no, no, it's proof, <laughs> what, it's proof what you're saying. I just saying you said, oh, and like other field, like medicine, like this happens automatically. The answer is, oh, no, it doesn't happen automatically. It should, but yeah. <laughs> You're correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're correct. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, you know, like, no, it doesn't have automatically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, so, yeah. morons too. Not just, not just, not, oh, we think that we think that we're that our idiocy is special to us. No, we're just idiots like everybody else. <laughs> like everyone else. <laughs> you're not even special. We're learning from stupid. their. <laughs> we're learning from their bad examples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying anything. I'm not. I'm, there's no point of. There's no. There's no principal difference here. Just, just, a, just a, a a question of. Is this a, when when you say oh like, like meaning when like Americans say things like for instance like oh in America like we have this problem and it's like oh yeah and everywhere else in the world it also sucks just as bad. <laughs> you know, and like, or and like, you know, or oh, we we developers, we think we're special because we have, we we do this stupid thing. Like, it's like no, everyone does that stupid thing. You know, <laughs> not even special in that way. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, again, the the drive this home. I, I think that um, overall, again, from at least least perspective, um. I think people focus on how do we create the environments and you know matching the environments and what's in it and things you know how many stages do we have and things of that sort. And I think that although those items are important, ultimately <laughs> the decision for those items should be driven by the risk-based approach that you anyway, right? Yeah. And like if you're taking this risk-based approach. Um, again, it's, it starts with testing. I, I think that testing is the biggest part of the release process, and people actually act as though it's a separate item, right? And I think that none of the other stuff either matters unless you can, until you actually figure out, like, how do I test stuff? In fact, the decision on the environments, again, should be based upon how you're going to test everything, right? 100%. I figure out how I'm going to test everything, and then I build the environments that I need and the stages I need 
to maximize that testing effort. Okay. So, you know, and, and, and as you can see, like a lot of the literature that's coming about lately with the release processes, they'll release a new feature and they do the, what used to be uh, a cardinal sin used to be actually testing in production. But what we're finding out is that, hey, you know what? One that's of the best, best things you can test. do. Exactly. That's, that's, that's where you want it to work, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> maybe, yes. maybe you should be creating less environments and testing more in production, right? Yes. Um, I mean, that's, that, okay, good. I feel like I feel like this is a this has been a okay. So one thing I have to do, which I, I sort of let go, uh, which I shouldn't have, but uh, and then I think I think you we basically wrapped up the whole the whole um, the whole uh, your whole release process. Um, yeah. Um, one thing I have to do, like meaning, I, I think that like most people know what it is. And if not, they probably got it from context. But if we get a quick definition of trunk-based releases and development, you know, just 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 so that people, you know, I think people will get it from the context or whatever. But like, yeah, just so that you know, people don't make the wrong assumptions. Yeah. So like, so I would describe trunk-based development as trying to mimic a tree. Where you have a main trunk where everyone gets their nourishment from. Yes. Right. And whenever you want to make a change, you create a branch. So you spin off a, a feature branch, you make your changes. And then after that, those changes have been completed, you merge them back into the main trunk so that everyone else can get the latest code. And we can eliminate collisions later on. Okay. Very good. Yeah. That's that's a, the nutshell of trunk based development. Cool. Okay, good. So now now that we've we've uh, we've covered that, I think we're good. I think we need to we need to come up with a topic for next time. Yeah, you know what? What what if we go a little deeper in this one and talk about you know, yeah, I made the assertion that um, the release planning and your processes start with the risk involved. And you, the main way we're mitigating those risks is through tests. So I made this assertion that, you know, the biggest part of the release process should be the testing effort. But if next time we talk a little bit about like, how do you do that analysis and no, what 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 does that testing effort look like for most uh, for most lease processes out there? What do you think? Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So um, what are we gonna, what are we gonna what are we gonna call that? Okay, whatever. Yeah. So that we get the idea, and we'll see you again next time on. Agile Adventures. Yes. Okay. Stop recording.